What good is a promise? So many get broken, remain unfulfilled, should never have been made in the first place or believed. For every promise kept, we can name two that others have broken or ten we failed to keep ourselves. But God, when God makes a promise, there is no breaking, no failure, no maybe, no might, no probably. For what God has sworn, he will do. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to our 930 service. If I haven't met you before, my name is Grant. And in a week where there has been so much, so much, murder, chaos, rioting, it all begins to put a a pressure on top of all of us. And we feel that pressure. I saw this graphic this past week on social media under the banner of pray for your pastor. There was a bubble in the middle that said pastor and all of the arrows were pointing in with pressure. Let me read the bubbles. <laughs> you can't open the church building yet. It's a huge health risk. You're wrong if you do. Second bubble. It's all a big hoax, a conspiracy, a media frenzy. Read this article, this link. Don't be afraid. Bottom line, if you open, you're irresponsible. If you stay closed, you're a coward. Another bubble. My husband, dad, grandparent, uncle, sister, brother, niece just passed away from COVID-19. Another bubble. Here are 25 things you need to do if you want to meet in your building again. Another bubble. My family's going to stay home for a while before coming back. Sorry we can't be there. Another bubble. Don't ever open the building again. Home is so much better. That's from the pajamas and coffee crew. (laughs) And finally, last bubble, we need to open the church building. I need to be there and see everyone. What are you waiting for? Just so you know, I received an email representing every single one of those perspectives in the past week and a few more. So here's what I need you to do. Pray for your pastors. Hold your opinion in a godly way. Be obedient to scripture that says be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry. Think about others before you think about yourself. Never forget, the church belongs to Jesus. Trust God. Know that we want to open the building so unbelievably badly, but we also want our family to be safe. Have some patience. That's actually one of the fruit of the Spirit. That's always godly. And in the meantime, let's do real church right now in your home, in your car, your closet, wherever you happen to be, because what makes this real is not a location. What makes this real is God's presence, and he promised wherever two or three are gathered that he is with us in that moment. Jesus is here, and we are going to focus on his promises today. In the beginning of time, God made a promise to a guy by the name of Abram. Abram later would be renamed Abraham, which means exalted or lifted father of a multitude. And he would become the father of the Hebrew nation. Listen to an Old Testament promise that was sworn to Abraham by God himself. It says, on that day, the Lord made a covenant with Abram and said, to your descendants I give this land from the wadi of Egypt to the great river, the Euphrates. The land of the Kenites, Kenizzites, Cadmonites, Hittites, Perizzites, Rephaites, Amorites, Canaanites, Girgashites, and Jebusites. Try saying that fast. (laughs) God promised a land flowing with milk and honey. Milk of goats and honey of dates. No cows or bees allowed, okay? 
A land that the Hebrew nation would ultimately occupy. More than a land, it was supposed to be a home. And we all know the importance of having a place to call home. Here's what's interesting. The Israelites would hold this promise in their hearts for 40 years before it actually was fulfilled. Often there is a time between the promise of God and the fulfillment of that promise. And that in-between time is a time of trust building and faith building and movement and learning. What follows next in scripture after this Genesis promise, what's known as the Abrahamic covenant, is 40 years. Interesting word. The root, or interesting fact. The root of the word quarantine is 40 Sound familiar? 40 years of Hebrew wandering, learning moments, battles, opinions, grumbling, sin, mistakes, worship, victories, defeats, sicknesses, questioning leadership, walking in circles, setting up a church and tearing down a church. It was called a tabernacle back then. It's a season of God feeling close and God feeling distant. It's a season of questions and second guessing and more and more opinions. Does this season sound familiar to anyone else besides myself. And Moses is feeling the pressure. But the way he handles the pressure is by clinging to a promise that he had in his heart sworn by God himself. And he's clinging to that promise with all of the hope that he can muster. 40 years is a long time to wait, but then it finally happens. The Israelites take the land that God promised them. Not an easy process. In fact, it was hard. It takes time and patience to get where God wants you to be. Does that sound familiar to anybody else? There are huge obstacles to taking back the land. It seems almost impossible, but they hold on to the promise of God and that keeps them hopeful and ultimately it makes them triumphant. Finally, we see this, an Old Testament promise fulfilled in Joshua 21. That's many books later in the Bible. It says, so the Lord gave Israel all the land he'd sworn to give their ancestors and they took possession of it and settled there. The Lord gave them rest on every side, just as he had sworn to their ancestors. Not one of their enemies withstood them. The Lord gave all of the enemies into their hands. Not one of all the Lord's good promises to Israel failed. Everyone was fulfilled. Let me say that again. Everyone was fulfilled. Why? Because God never breaks a promise. Like I said before, there's often time between the promise and the fulfillment. That's where spiritual growth happens, but God never breaks a promise. Now, one of the hardest questions that comes up with the promises of God is, Grant, can I personally hold to the promises of God that were actually made to other groups of people? The promise of a new land came specifically to the Israelites, and we're going to talk about how we navigate these things. In this case, the promise doesn't mean God is going to give you a five-acre desert parcel with goats and date trees, okay? You might get the goats. You live in Washington, all right, <laughs> or wherever you happen to be. So it's important for us to understand God gave promises to specific groups of people, but the essence of every promise is that God is trustworthy, his track record is true. And there are principles laid into every single promise that can make them personal and faith building. Today we're going to share a New Testament promise that God gave to a, a little church in a town called Philippi. They were struggling. They were struggling. And Paul said, I, I want the church, I want you to have some joy. I know it doesn't feel like being joyful right now with all of the things that are going on around this country and around the world. I believe this promise is for all of us because I believe in something called verbal plenary inspiration. In fact, as a church, we share that view. 
Let me tell you what it is. Verbal plenary inspiration means the Bible is God-given. God-given, and therefore, it's without error in every part. Doctrine, history, geography, dates, names, and in every single word, it is without error in the original manuscripts. We believe as a church that the Holy Spirit of God put every word of the book of Philippians into the heart of the Apostle Paul. God guided Paul along. He looked after every single pen stroke. God breathed every word into the Apostle Paul's mind and heart. So these words are God's words, fully and completely recorded by Paul for God's glory and for our benefit. I believe this promise that Paul gave to the Philippians is for every single one of us today. Now, before I get to the promise from God for today, I want you to know why I chose it. Over the past weeks and months, I have zoomed into many, many, many one-on-one meetings with people who are asking very, very difficult questions. Questions like, will I lose my job? Will I lose my business? Will I have enough food to feed my family? Am I going to lose my home? All of these questions stem from a deeper question. Will God look after me? Will God look after me? That's a great question. Here's the New Testament promise. A promise made for each one of us. Philippians chapter 419. And my God will meet all of your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. Let me say that again, and I pray that it would just wash over your anxiety right now and wash over your chaos. And my God (laughs) will meet all of your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. Let me unpack this for you for your hope and hopefully for your encouragement as well. This verse, I believe, has everything we need for today. It includes the miracle of God's provision. It says, and my God will meet. Everything you have comes from God. Everything you ever have will come from God. God miraculously right now is giving you life and breath and thoughts and your body and the ability to work and your family. Every single piece of that comes from God. God causes food to grow. He caused the rain to fall last night. If you live in Whatcom County, oh my goodness, that was rain, even by our standards, okay? And he causes the land to produce. Now we play a part in that provision, but God is the provider, The Israelites that we started the message with, they woke up every single morning in a desert and there was food on the ground. God promised they would never go hungry. There was food on the ground called manna. Literally means, what's this? What's this? God provided for them and his track record said he will meet every single one of our needs and he will provide for you. So just in case you don't know, Kraft did not give you your mac and cheese. God did. Kraft packaged it and processed it, but the cow that contributed to the cheese powder and the wheat that made that pasta, that was all God. Always remember the source and be grateful. It's a miraculous provision. My God will meet. Secondly, we are promised the the measure of God's provision. It says that he will give us all of our needs. Now, this is obvious. It doesn't say God will provide all your wants. The promise is for your needs. Well, I studied a little bit of psychology, and the truth is, there are actually specific needs that as humans we need to live. But you would be surprised how short the list is. Water, food, shelter, sleep or rest, 
Love, connection, and the ability to hope. You remove any one of those and people die. That's how it works. God said, I'll take care of your needs. I've got them covered. You can trust me. Now you're going to have to work hard. You may have to go out and gather some of the miraculous provision that I have for you, but I will look after your needs. Now this is where we get all messed up because we often take needs for granted and we assume that God is in the business of just coughing up our wants, right? That's the way some of us view God, right? Needs, eh, whatever, God, here's my list. You better take care of it. And if you don't, it means you don't love me. All right, well, let's start with a simple definition. What's the difference between a need and a want? A need is anything that's essential for a person to survive. A want is anything a person desires but is not essential to survive. I know this is hard for some of us to hear, but it's true. Just because you desire it doesn't mean you need it. You may want a new video game box, but you don't need it because you can survive without one and you can't eat one. Well, you could, but that probably wouldn't go very well for you. By the way, on top of that, there is nothing wrong with owning an Xbox. Just don't let it own you. God promised, I'll cover your needs. I'll cover your needs. Thirdly, we have the might of God's provision. I love this one because it says that God's provision is not according to my bank balance. It's according to his glorious riches. And just so you know, God owns everything. His glorious riches are inexhaustible. And as his child, it all belongs to you. Now that doesn't mean you can go and take whatever you want. You don't get to walk into Target, grab a hold of a stereo and say, I'm a child of God, this belongs to my dad. It doesn't work that way. But if everything belongs to your heavenly father, you can take comfort in the fact that he's in charge of covering your needs. And what good dad wouldn't want to make sure that his child's needs are covered? Now some of you are thinking and it may cause tension. Because there's a question starting to bubble up. But Grant, what about the people that are starving all around the world? Is God taking care of their needs? I can't speak for all of them, but this past week you actually became a part of God's miraculous provision for some of them. Last week, I, I made a, a, a simple appeal that if you wanted to help us feed orphans and widows through our global partners in Kenya and Tanzania, that you could have an opportunity to give. And, and you stepped up. If you give to Christ the King at all, you actually fund our missions budget. So we took what was given last week, we matched it with some emergency funds from our missions budget, and we sent out, just, just because the need was there, we sent out $10,000 to our missions partners in Arusha and Kibera so they could buy emergency food and give it away. And I tell you, to those who will receive those gifts, that is God's miraculous provision out of His glorious riches. We are not the provider. We are the steward of his riches and it's working. By the way, that's not all we've been able to do. That was just last weekend. Finally, we have the means of God's provision. I love the fact that all of this comes in Christ Jesus. All of God's provision is embedded in Jesus. Without Jesus, there's no provision of salvation, grace, or mercy. All of God's promises, we heard this last week, they find their yes in Jesus. And Jesus wants to meet not only your eternal need, but it'll also look after the temporary need so that you can continue 
to live. Last week, I introduced you to four words. No, as in K-N-O-W, so no up here. Internalize, declare, and share. And we're going to walk every single one of these promises through this simple grid. By the way, I was so unbelievably amazed uh, to find out that we ran out of promise journals because so many of you showed up. That didn't even include the downloaded version. I'm so glad some of you are walking on this journey. If you're doing 30 promises in 30 days, we start tomorrow and I hope you'll, I hope you'll join us in doing it. I got to use all of these words this past week with a friend who lost their job in the COVID crisis. And they were legitimately and humanly fearful of what the future holds. So I shared this promise. My God will meet all of your needs according to his glorious riches that are in Christ Jesus. We walked through this together and I want to walk it with you right now. When it comes to the fulfillment of this promise, I know, I know that God will meet my needs. You know how I know? Because I was once a broke college student. When I got ready to get married, all I had was a Honda Civic, a coffee mug collection, and a stereo. I'm so thankful my wife has the gift of faith. It's amazing, right? But we're getting married, and I'm heading to a city in Saskatchewan, and I... I don't have hardly anything. I've got no prospects, no job. I've got a diploma from a college and a promise of Jesus. And looking back, here's what I can tell you. God looked after every single need we had. And we worked hard and we prayed, but we never went hungry. Not once. God was always there. He kept his promise. I have had the privilege of doing ministry in homeless camps, in the slums of Africa, in refugee camps in Sicily. And even there, I hear these words from people when they say, God looks after me. God looks after me. I know that God will meet your need. I know that he would meet the need of my friend. That's why I said it. So I know that promise. And then I internalize that truth as a great comfort. Jesus promised his provision. So I'm going to hold to that promise even when I lose my job, when I wonder where food is coming from, when I'm tossing and turning in the middle of the night trying to come up with a plan. I let the promise of God marinate in my heart by looking back at all of the times in history when God showed up for me. It's amazing to me. That's why I included this Old Testament story. I wanted us to be able to look back to the beginning of time to see that God has been faithful to his people over and over and over again. Laurel and I both could tell stories where God showed up in our need over and over and over again. Sometimes he met needs in ways that we, didn't, we did not even have a box for them. But God was faithful. So I know them here, I internalize them here, and then I declare them as a counterattack to materialism. I can't live in God's promise if all I do is use it to substantiate a lie that, t- that Satan will tell me. And I promise you, if you claim this promise today, my God shall supply all of your needs according to his riches in, which are in Christ Jesus, I promise you, the enemy is going to show up. Satan's going to show up and say this. It's not about the needs, it's about the wants. It's about the wants. And if you don't get what you want, God must not love you. That's the lie. Satan would love for us to think that God will cover the wants. And when he doesn't, he doesn't love us. That's a recipe for disaster. And there's a word for it in our modern culture. We call it materialism. 
Can I define materialism for you? It's simple. It says it's a tendency. By the way, this came out of a secular dictionary. It's a tendency to consider material possessions and physical comfort as more important than spiritual values. So the enemy comes and says, it's not about your needs. It's about this big pile of stuff. And because I know the promise of God and I internalize the promise of God, I get to talk back to the devil on this one. I get to say out loud, here's the deal. I'm scared, but God's got my needs covered. He promised he would provide for me. Oh, by the way, Jesus said that a man's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. So I'm going to invest my life eternally. I'm going to be grateful with all that God has given me. And I'm going to be so unbelievably content. I'm going to use my blessing to bless others. Because Jesus also said, what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his soul? Furthermore, I'm not going to fall into the trap of materialism. Because Jesus had a name for a guy who thought it was all about the stuff and then died. He actually called him a fool. And I don't want to be a fool. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to enjoy all of God's provision for me. I'm going to steward my entire life really well. And I'm going to trust Jesus because he promised that he would supply all of my needs according to the riches that are in Christ Jesus. Let's wrap up with one more. I'm going to share this as a reminder that Jesus is more than enough. That's what I shared with my friend. He lost his job just last week in the middle of the crisis. And I shared this with him. Not only did God say he would provide all of your needs, but I'm also going to tell you something else I know from experience. Jesus is more than enough. Jesus is living water. Jesus is the bread of life. Jesus is a good shepherd, and he looks after his sheep. God made you a promise. Don't be afraid. When I have an opportunity to share that, I watch God's promise ripple out and comfort real people. I know it up here. I internalize it here. I declare it from here because I'm not going to fall for the lie. And then I share it everywhere. Because in this day and age, people need to hear God's promises and the fact that he keeps them. I'm not sure if you know this or not, but this is Pentecost Sunday. It's a day when the church of Jesus stops for a moment and and focuses on a promise. You see, before Jesus left and went back to heaven... After he lived a perfect life, after he was crucified, after he was buried, after he rose again on the third day, the Bible tells us that Jesus ascended into heaven. But before he left, he promised that he would send another comforter. He promised us the Holy Spirit. And he said, when the Holy Spirit comes, the Holy Spirit will comfort you. He will guide you into all truth. He will convict you of sin, so the Holy Spirit's a truth teller, but but he will be here for you every single day. You will never, ever be alone, which is another promise of God. The promise is fulfilled in Acts chapter 2, when the disciples, this scared little group of people, and believe me, they were scared, they gathered together. 
And the Holy Spirit of God showed up with tongues of fire. There was no mistaking that the presence of God had come and invaded this scared little group of people who were all freaked out for all different kinds of reasons. In Acts chapter 2, it says that they were in one accord and they were in one place. Historically, we believe the Bible teaches us that the disciples were actually in the upper room of a home when this happened. Isn't that amazing? They were in a home, just like you may be in a home right now. The Holy Spirit of God came, touched this group of people, and then they moved out because the Holy Spirit of God is not limited to a location. He embraces a people. So the Holy Spirit of God came to them. I love the fact that it says they were in one accord and in one place when the promise of God came and invaded them and emboldened them to go out into the world, into the temple courts and into the city and to proclaim the name of Jesus as the only hope of an entire community. My prayer for our church right now is this, that the Holy Spirit of God would invade every single home that the Holy Spirit of God would wrap God's people in comfort and that he would convict us deeply about how important it is right now for us to be ambassadors of reconciliation, to be agents of justice, to speak boldly about the injustices in our communities and to rally and gather people together as we fulfill our role as ambassadors and as salt and light in a world that's dark and tasteless. I love the fact that you don't need to come here to experience the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will come there, wherever you happen to be. So as I've been praying this week, I pray that you will join me. <laughs> come Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, we need you to bring peace and healing to our land, to bring justice, to bring mercy. And God, I pray over the people of Christ the King that they would be known this week by the fruit of the Spirit, the, the Spirit life that overflows out of their hearts as they are Examples of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Holy Spirit, would you come? Just as Jesus promised that you would. And would you minister to us, correct us, and push us out to be ambassadors of reconciliation in a world that appears to be just so broken. Father, thank you for your promise. Thank you that it's personal that we can say, my God will supply all of my needs 
according to his glorious riches which are in my Savior, Christ Jesus. God, teach us what it means to know you and love you and to be people of the promise. Because God, wherever we claim that promise, you also promise your presence. And we need your presence. May the presence of Almighty God be in Minneapolis, in Chicago, in Washington, D.C., in Los Angeles, in Seattle, in Everson, in Nooksack, in Linden, in Blaine, in Ferndale, in Sudden Valley, and in every community that needs a Prince of Peace to bring peace. Even so, Lord Jesus, come quickly. We need you so badly today. Father, for my brothers and sisters who have their heads bowed in homes all across Whatcom County, may we take ever so seriously this week the obedient call to share this promise with people. And my God will supply all of your needs according to his glorious riches which are in Christ Jesus. We pray these things in your good and beautiful name. And all God's people said, amen. Thanks again for watching. We're so glad that you joined us today. Once again, we hope you'll get involved in biblical face-to-face community wherever you happen to be today. If you'd like more information about Christ the King Community Church, if you'd like to give online, or if you'd like to submit a prayer request, or even get connected in a small group, you can find out more about us at ctk.church.